Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we pray this message inspires you to love strong, shine bright, and live free. Wow. Hey, if you've got a Bible, anyone got a Bible on them? Someone has. There's a spare one just there. But if you do have a Bible, I'd love for you to go to the book of Mark. Uh, in Mark chapter 1, that's the second book of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And um, I'm just going to share out of this a couple of passages in Mark 1 and then Mark chapter 4. And as I said, I feel like uh, the Lord's put something on my heart to share with you this morning. Not that he, he doesn't do that every week, but I just feel a particular kind of a thing for this today. And so Ken is going to come back and share the notices in a little bit after the, 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 the message. But I just want to tell you about one thing that he'll reiterate, and that's next Sunday night. Uh, what we are going to do is we want to take some time to, to pray. Uh, we're going to pray in the location and at the place potentially where we feel like God is calling us into. So if you're just new this morning, if you're a guest, first time here, we believe God has uh, put on our heart in this new season a new location to base ourselves from as a church. Um, we feel like the season of being in the CBD in the city is coming to an end, and he's calling us to go out into the community to where people are, to where families are, to, to reach those ones. And so for more on that, we've produced this little flyer, uh, and inside tells you a little bit more about that journey, why we're thinking this way, and what it is we're actually actually doing. And next Sunday night, I want us just to gather together out into Hunanui. We're looking at the Function Center, which is near the holiday camp. I want us to get together on site and just pray with some insight while we're on site, make some declarations around this move. Let's just pray for some stuff, put our feet in the place where we, we believe he's asking us to go into. If you've never come to a prayer meeting before, come to this one next weekend because we're paying for the room. <laughs> All right. All right. Great. But you know, I was thinking about, have been obviously thinking about this move for some time. And again, we'll keep updating you as we know new things. But you know, as I've been thinking about this and what we're all planning to do, the more time I spend on this, the more time I'm praying about it, the more time I'm preparing for it, the more I've come to realize that the move in itself is actually just symbolic of a greater thing that God's wanting to do in this place and with you and I and this, these people. It's, it's symbolic. And you know what? Sometimes in order for us to receive the new season, sometimes in order for you to receive the new assignment, the new mandate, the new project, whatever it might be that God's wanting you to step into, you know what? Sometimes we've just got to let go of some old stuff, some old things. Sometimes in order for us to receive that, we've got to let go of the old. That's why Isaiah, not on the screens, but he said this, these words, verse 18 of Isaiah 43, he goes, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And the idea there is that sometimes we can find ourselves in the shifting seasons, but not recognize what God is pulling us into. And here is this kind of reminder, come on, let go of the past. Don't dwell on it. Don't sit in an old season. But listen, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I believe that many people, many times they fail to realize, they fail to take hold of their God dream. They fail to take hold of all that he has for them. And actually, we, we can sometimes stall in our journey, in our, let's call it an adventure with God, because of one particular 
debilitating issue which I want to talk to you about today. And it's not what you might be thinking. It's not fear or a lack of faith that causes us to stumble in this kind of way that I want to share about this morning. It's got nothing to do with how much resource you may have, big or a small amount. It's got nothing to do with your personality type or how seemingly talented you may, you may be. I believe that often the greatest obstacle that stands in the way of where you currently are and where God is calling you to be or to step into is not fear, but familiarity. Familiarity. It's kind of a hard word to say, but it's this inclination or natural tendency that we all have, every single one of us, to run with what we know, to run to what we know what to run to, to gravitate towards things which we've just been accustomed to. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Kind of familiar things, familiar places, familiar habits, familiar mindsets, familiar people, familiar places that are familiar, and and to and somehow we always seem to avoid things, sometimes at all costs, that are unfamiliar and that are unknown. Here's the thing, guys. God's promises don't always come to us. We have to go to them. I'll let that sink in a little bit because that might be kind of revelationary for some people. Guess what? God's promises don't automatically always just fall into our laps. We have to go to them. We have to pursue them. We've got to step into them. We've got to go to them. But in doing so will often mean the necessity to leave familiar surroundings. Am I talking to someone here this morning? Come on. It may not be a physical thing. It might not be a literal shift. It could be a mindset shift. It may be a thought pattern shift. It might be a familiar way of doing things that you're going to change. It was the the curse of familiarity, which I want to call this because I believe it's such a critical thing for us to get our hearts and our heads around. But it was the curse of familiarity which hindered Israel from entering the promised land. And we looked, we've been looking at this for for like a couple of months. We looked at it particularly last week. That it was, I believe, familiarity that actually held those guys back. We read some of the verses from their time as they were wandering. Here's one of them. Oh, they said, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. Here they were on the brink of the promise, on the brink of something that had been given to them for hundreds and hundreds of years, passed down to generation to generation about God, what God was going to do. Here they are right there, but still camped in their minds in Egypt, a place where they were slaves. And they looked longingly back at that time when they were, they were being beaten and mistreated. But boy, wasn't the food great. <laughs> do you know... Do you know that familiarity will actually cause you to stay in bondage despite the opportunity of freedom? Come on, despite what is right in front of you sometimes, just an arm's width away, familiarity will keep you locked in those sorts of things that cause you pain, actually, that cause you grief, that cause you to stay stuck in things. Familiarity will keep you tied to things that will hinder your life and restrict your ability to move forward. Familiarity, I can't quite say that word. Familiarity, familiar things. Even, even, even familiar things that are actually destructive, 
we can stay there. There's some, there's a kind of comfort about those sorts of things. A few, uh, a few years ago, uh, through a series of unfortunate events, I, I let anxiety really take control of my life. Like really take a hold of my life for a long time, for about 12, 12 months, a day wouldn't go by where I wouldn't have this constant sense of worry and fear in my gut. You know where it kind of anxiety comes from deep down? It just stayed there. It camped in my life. I couldn't get away from it. Every morning I'd wake up and there it was. Anyone experienced that kind of feeling before that emotion? Just come on, a lot of us anxiety just constantly. And as I worked through this, and it was a journey, and it's still a journey sometimes, but as I walked through this, I realized I'd become so familiar with that emotion of anxiety. I'd become so familiar, so accustomed to that feeling that even though it was horrible, even though I couldn't wait to stop feeling that way, there was something in me that found comfort in that. I mean, this is kind of crazy to think about, but I found when the circumstances had changed, when things were going great, when actually there was nothing to be concerned about, I would actually go out of my way and look for things to worry about just to get that anxious feeling back. That's messed up, people. <laughs> Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Like, why, how on earth, why do we do that? Why, you put your hand down quickly. <laughs> But I've realized that we can make friends with all sorts of stupid things, all sorts of destructive things and patterns and habits because they become familiar to us. We actually like them. We become friends with them. They bring us in some kind of warped way comfort. And I say that because we think often of the familiar as things that make us feel good or are great or, or comfortable in a kind of lying on the beach kind of a way, but thinking, how else did Israel convince themselves that going back to Egypt to be slaves again was a better option than what God was bringing them into? And maybe this morning, those who might be listening to this later in the week, there are some things that you may have made friends with that you need to perhaps just reevaluate a little bit, that you need to consider letting go of. And I, I pray, I'm going to pray right now, I pray for God's grace and His and His peace over our life to throw off everything that hinders us, throw off the, the good, the bad, and the ugly if it's stopping us from getting to that place where God is calling us to. Come on, everyone, let's lay aside that weight that so easily entangles us. I'm talking about familiar things, familiar patterns, familiar comforts that we gotta, we got to get rid of. We've got we to gotta defriend, unlike, unfollow, whatever it takes, whatever it needs to do. I want to pray right now. God, I pray. I pray, God, for any friends that we've invited into our lives, good, bad, or ugly, that is hindering our walk, that is causing us to stall, that is keeping us stationary, that is having us held back in our walk with you. God, I pray that we would cast those things off, that we'd break out of that into freedom, that we would let go of those, those things, that we would cut every tie, that you would, God... Enable us to walk into things unfamiliar, unknown, but God, that's where you're calling us to, in Jesus' name. Just right now, Holy Spirit, I pray, just as I continue to minister, continue with this message, I pray that you just put your finger, the finger of God, the finger of the Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're a gentleman, you're soft, and that you just touch our hearts in those areas, bring us into your freedom, God, we pray, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.
Mark chapter 1. If you've got a Bible, it will, it'll come up on the screen as well. Mark chapter 1, we, we read the very famous, the often retold account of Jesus calling the disciples. Uh, they are fishermen. They are doing, going along with their own life. And Jesus comes on the scene. Mark chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 16 on the screens behind me. It says this, And as he, speaking about Jesus, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Makes a whole lot of sense. That's why they were doing it. Then verse 17, it says, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. It says, verse 18, that they immediately, everyone say immediately, they immediately left their nets and followed him. They immediately left their nets and followed Jesus when he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Verse 19 says, when he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending their nets. And verse 20, immediately he called them and they too left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him, went after Jesus. You know, as a family, the Smith family, we uh, eat dinner together at the table, right? Renee's living with us at the moment, and our Tessa as well, who's out doing the crash. We've got a, a big family at the moment, but every every night we eat dinner at the table, right? No exaggeration. I, I Probably 95% of the time, we, we're not a family that, you know, sit on the couch in front of the TV and eat a meal or, 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 or you know, have take your, take your tea to the bedroom with you. No, we sit at a dining room table. It's the best piece of furniture that we've ever bought. A great time for our family to catch up. I encourage you to do that. We've just made it a value to eat together every night, usually at the same time, give or take a few hours. And we got eight seats. <laughs> we got eight seats at our dining table, and, and they are filled every night. But here's the thing it takes a long time. It takes a long time to get everybody from all parts of the house to get to that dining room table at the same time to sit down together. There is usually a call that goes out through the house around 5 30 every weekday night when dinner is ready. And it usually is this. Dinner's ready. Come to the table, right? Come come to the table. Dinner's ready. And someone from our family of eight, somebody, more than one usually, will, every day will normally call out, coming from some part of the house. Now, if you're a parent and you have children, you will know when a child tells you that they are coming, they're not. <laughs> right? That's... They are never coming when they say, oh, I'm coming. They are never coming, right? How many parents agree with me? When a child says they're coming, they are not coming. When they walk into the room, they're coming. But when they say they are, they never are. They never are. When they say they're coming, what they're doing is they're just buying time. And then you call them again and they say, yeah, coming. They're still not coming. That word really just means they're buying themselves time. It usually means this. I have no intention, intention of moving from wherever I am until you tell me at least another six times. Or you come and get me. Or you scream at me. Right? Okay. Anyway. It says here when Jesus calls the disciples, it says in verse 18 that they immediately came. They immediately left their nets and followed him. 
I find that really hard to believe. (laughs) But there it is. There it is. I don't know how he did it. How Jesus could say such a thing and then immediately they would come. I don't know, when I read this account, I read it again last night, was there more dialogue than this that Mark and the other Gospels that share the same story that they actually are not recording? Is there stuff that we're supposed to read between the lines? Is there like the, is this like the condensed version of actually what happened? Was there more conversation before they immediately came? Maybe there was a job contract for them to look over and check with their friends and family. What, was there a day or two to sort things out with the family, you know, rehome the dog, put the car in the garage, tell the neighbors. I don't know. I don't think so because whatever version you read it from, whatever account it might be, Matthew, Mark, or or Luke, it says in verse 18, they immediately left their nets. It says they left their nets at once. The King James Version says, and straight away they forsook their nets. Such was the persuasiveness of Jesus, so great a call to follow him, they dropped everything they were doing and immediately went to him. Here's the thing. I'm going somewhere with this. Here's the thing. And we've read this passage a number of times. I'm sure if you've been in church any length of time, you know this, possibly even off by heart. Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Listen, don't let the speed Don't let the speed in which the disciples drop what they are doing to follow him. Don't let the the no delay, the speed in which they drop everything and go after Jesus, diminish the fact that the call to come is still a call to forsake the familiar. Don't, don't, don't miss that. Don't miss that in the story. We can kind of, we can kind of read over, over this and see that this is not working, but don't, don't negate the fact that the call to come is a call to forsake the familiar. Despite seemingly abandoning their life at a moment's notice, these guys were actually laying down everything they knew. They were literally letting go of their livelihoods, literally, and dropping the nets. They were letting go of their routine, their way of life, their reason for getting up in the morning. But there was something that they somehow immediately understood that we are a little slower to understand. And often we can read the story of the disciples and we can have a bit of a laugh at their stupidity or or, or their, or their kind of, you know, the ways that they did things. But here they've got us. It says they immediately left and followed Jesus. I want to tell you guys that coming into calling means coming out of your comfort. means coming out of your comfort zone. Coming into calling means you've got to come out of your comfort zone. It, it, it means possibly and probably letting go of what you've gotten used to and how things have always been and the way you've always done things. It means possibly, probably letting go of habits and patterns that have gotten you thus far and maybe this far is great, but you're going to have to you're going to have to change for God to take you any further. It means possibly and probably letting go of the familiar, the comfortable, the status quo, a life less or for a life less ordinary. Come on. See, if we look at the context of Christianity, just kind of pause for a moment and think about our faith. 
Christianity, we, you know, I don't, maybe this is a bombshell for some people this morning, but listen, Jesus did not come to make you comfortable. What? Uh oh. Jesus did not come to make you comfortable. He's actually not interested in our comfort. That could be a hard thing to kind of realize. Oh, wow, okay. He's not interested in your comfort. Listen, here's what he is interested in your redemption. Your freedom, the promises that he's put over your life and you entering into those things and taking hold of them. Jesus, actually, he was confronting, he was, he was demanding, he was provoking, and sometimes Jesus was a little offensive. And we think of Jesus as like, Jesus, you know, my friend and king, great guy. <laughs> but he was sometimes the actual opposite. You know, one of the, one of the names of the Holy Spirit is is the comforter, right? The Holy Spirit is our comforter. He's our helper. He's our teacher. You know why I believe that they gave the name, the Father gave the name to the Holy Spirit of the comforter? Because basically I think they just needed to balance out Jesus. Because he was always provoking. He was always shaking the cage. He was always offending somebody. He, He was always demanding something too great. It was said of Jesus that he comforts the afflicted, but afflicts the comfortable. Wow, and sometimes we just, in our comfort, we need a little afflicting. We need a little prodding and pricking. We need need a little provoking. We need to be offended at some place in our comfort to get us up and get us to move forward in things. He said all sorts of provoking things. Like, unless you eat my flesh, drink my blood, you've got no life in you. Something we've just done today in communion, symbolic of course. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. The disciples, the disciples, those following him after hearing these things, they say, they said, these are hard sayings. These are hard for us to get our heads around and understand and comprehend what you're saying, Jesus. It's too much for us because they were provoking, challenging words to unsettle, settled minds and unsettle, settled, comfortable hearts to do something new. And sure, the Holy Spirit will comfort us. Thank God for that. While Jesus does the provoking, we've got to let him. We've got to let him. We've got to let him provoke us. We spend so much time trying to rid our lives of fear, and that's a good reason. Fear is no good. We don't want fear in our life. The Bible plenty of times says, do not be afraid. Be a good courage. Do not fear. You've got nothing, nothing to fear. We don't want to have fearful lives. We don't want to live fearful lives. But I think the greatest, the greatest enemy of faith is not fear, it's familiarity. Sometimes we're so focused on getting rid of fear, but we don't actually deal with any of the familiar things in, in our life. Fear is not a good thing, but at least fear, you know, in one way gives us an opportunity to trust God. I'm afraid, therefore I've got to trust Him, Right? Familiarity, on the other hand, will just keep you stuck. It'll just keep you in that same place. It'll keep you comfortable, predictable, just going through the motions and doing what, what, you, what you know to do. It will hinder, not help, you come into the presence of God in your life. Turn over a few pages to the book of Mark chapter 6. I don't, actually think, I don't think this is on the screens. And uh, I just wanted to give you one example of how what I would call the curse of familiarity actually stops the miraculous from moving in our lives. It stops God 
My Bible heads up the chapter, chapter 6 of the book of Mark, a prophet without honor, speaking about Jesus as he visits and ministers in his hometown. He comes to his hometown of Nazareth. He begins to teach in the synagogue, which was the traditional place where they would teach the, the, the law of Moses and teach the scriptures. And while it says there in Mark 6, you can just find it in your books, that when they heard Jesus saying these things, they were amazed. They couldn't believe what was coming out of his mouth. They had heard perhaps about some of the miracles, but it also says that they were offended of the things he was saying. It goes, isn't this just the carpenter? Isn't isn't this just Mary's son? Isn't Anna's sisters here with us today? Like, man, I played football with this guy when he was younger. This is just Jesus. I I think I bought one of his bar stools a few years ago. You know, when he's whittling it, I think I bought furniture from this guy. Who does he think he is? In other words, familiarity breeds contempt, right? It's just my old mate, Jesus. I knew him as a boy. He's nothing special. And it says, if you just cast your eyes over verse five, it says, depending on what version you read this from, have I got this here? I do. It says this, verse 5 of Mark 6, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their what? Their lack of faith. Why was there a lack of faith? Were they afraid? Was they, were they fearful? No, they weren't. What were they? They had become familiar with Jesus. There was a familiarity about him that they had, they had held, held on to. He could not do any miracles. I don't know what version that is. I think it's the NIV or the New King James. It does one version, or that one version says he could not do. Not he chose not to, but he could not do anything great there. Maybe just find a car park for somebody. Maybe a light headache, he got healed, right? But he could not do any miracles. Their lack of faith wasn't because of fear, it was because of familiarity. Listen, friends, I want to tell you, familiarity will put limits on God and limit what God can do in you. Familiarity will keep you stuck in one season while God is trying to move you on to the next one. Familiarity will ensure that your life does nothing great, nothing new, nothing else other than what you already know, and it will keep you familiarity on the same old predictable, comfortable path of comfort and ease. And God is saying, I believe right from the pages of scripture, he wants us to break out of the familiar and break into new things, new territory, new places, new mindsets, new ways of thinking, new faith. Right. Come on. I reckon God's going to, wants us to hear this this morning. We're at the river a few years ago out in Anasid, I think it was, as you may have been there, and sitting on the, the bank of that river and on the other side of the water is a set of large rocks where some kids were jumping from, jumping, jumping off, and we were kind of just watching them from the other side. One of these kids, there's two or three of them, and one of them decides he's going to climb the, the bank above the, the jumping part to a higher ledge to jump off. And the water was deep and it was pretty, pretty safe. And and so he, he looks uh, looks up at this thing, which is sort of kind of being entertained by these kids. And he kind of 
climbs up this bank, climbs up the, the rock face. He's grabbing onto tussock grass and pulling himself up until he finally gets up there. He's on the edge and he's looking over and his friends are down, down below him going, come on, jump, jump. And he takes a step back and we go, oh, here we go. And he goes up to the front and he stops and he hesitates and he looks back down and he, and he doesn't jump. Jumps, goes back again, they're telling him to jump and goes to take another, another look and his mates are egging him on and he hesitates again and he doesn't jump and this goes on for like three or four times, this kid going to jump or what? You know, even we're saying, jump! But he's not, he's not doing it and, and, and then, uh, and then he, he starts to say, oh, I'm not going to do it, I'm, not, I'm coming back down. I'm coming back down. And he begins to climb down the way that he came up. And I don't know if you've ever been up a ladder and got onto a roof or something, but I want to tell you it's a whole lot harder to come down that thing than it is to get up, right? You're going to have to get down, and it's a whole lot harder. And he's like grazing his arms and legs. He's kind of sliding down a little bit. He's in bare feet. He's standing on sharp, sharp rocks. We watched him. It took him about 10 minutes to get down the way that he came up. And rather than take what would have just been the faster way and jumped off. And when he finally got down, all his friends were like, you egg. <laughs> it's a good Kiwi kind of, kind of key. for those who are not sure, you egg, that's like a Kiwi kind of thing to say, dumb. But to jump, to jump was to take the path that he'd never taken before. And in the end, it would have saved him a whole lot of time and a whole lot of pain and a whole lot of ridicule from his friends. But it's funny as I kind of ponder that, the familiar path, even if it actually makes us bleed, the familiar path, even if it scrapes us up and causes us pain, often seems to be the best option because it is often the most comfortable and the most familiar. The familiar is often the easiest thing to consider, but I want to tell you it's not always the best. It's not always the best. How many, of our, how many of us, including myself, have never fully stepped into all of the things God has for us, the places he wants to take you and I, the things that he wants us to step into because we've just not been willing to take a path that we've never taken before. I want to, I want to finish with this. I want to go to Genesis 12. I'm jumping around a bit here, I apologize. I think this will come up on the screens. Maybe we could just put some pads on, just nice and quiet, thanks. Yeah, if you can find that there. Genesis 12, we read before there was Israel, before there was the nation, before the Exodus journey, before the, before the miracles, before the promised land, before Jesus came on the scene, there was one man who God called, called Abram. He became Abraham. And I just want to finish with this as we wrap up this series about making a move this morning. It says in Genesis 12, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Abram, I think there's a pad at the end, Dave, if you want to help out with that. It says this, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. What land was it? Abraham didn't know. It was a land that he would be shown. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. 
The Lord said to Abram, go out from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Matt, why don't you come and play guitar for me instead? Thanks. It later says in the book of Hebrews, in the great faith chapter, it says, by faith, by faith, you can just jump back to my slides. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Are you seeing that this morning? Abraham obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Does that sound like someone who jumped into the unknown or who climbed back down the way they came up? Abram took a jump. He took a leap into the unknown. And I want you to notice that this call to go, the call to move into the unfamiliar, into a place that he didn't yet know. It says, just jump forward here. It says that I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will bless you. In other words, if you read between the lines, if I'm going to bless you, God says, you're going to have to first learn to be uncomfortable and leave the familiar. My blessing is in the place you don't actually know where it is. I just want you to leave. I want you to move. I want you to step out of comfort. I want to step you out of uncomfortable. That is where I'm going to bless you, Abram. Now, we know the story. A nation greater than the stars in the sky. Blessing, Christ coming from that. Redemption, here we are. Salvation, all because of one man's step out into the unknown. My blessing, God is saying, my purpose comes, my provision comes actually in the, fam- in the unfamiliar, not the familiar. God's promises don't often come to us. We have to go to them. We've got to go to them. The call to come is a call to forsake the familiar. When he calls you, when he says, come, son and daughter, come on. That call is a call to go out of the familiar. And coming into our calling, coming into our promise, coming into those things means coming out of your comfort zone. Abram knew it. The disciples understood it. Would we take hold of this in this new season? Would we grab hold of this and go, you know what? Yes, I will. I'll forsake what I know. I'll step out of the boat. I'll get out of that comfortable place. Why don't we stand this morning? We just want to pray over you and Pray over us as a church as we kind of wrap this up and hand it back to Kent in just a moment. I want to pray. I want to pray as we wrap up this series to make a move. As we are responding to what God is saying. I don't know exactly what's on the other side. I don't know exactly where it is we may be going, but I got a sniff of something. I got a whiff of something. I got a sense that there's promise and great fruit waiting for us on the other side, in the place where we've not yet been before, in the things we've not yet discovered. And so, God, we pray, we thank you for speaking. We thank you for stirring. We thank you for provoking. We thank you for making us uncomfortable. We thank you, God, that yes, you are here with us and you are our comforter. God, you are calling us out of this place. You are calling us out of this space. And maybe for some of us, you're calling us into a new way of thinking, a new way of doing things, a new way of understanding your promises. And God, that's going to require some faith, some conviction, and some uncomfort. And I pray for every person here today who's standing here, recognizing that, God, we're in a new season and that you're calling us to come. I 
I pray for every heart, every life, every person who's listening to this on the podcast later this week. And I pray, God, that we would have the conviction to let go of the old, to receive what's new. Wednesday morning, I was sharing a devotion on this to some of us leadership team who gathered here and one of them had a baby lying on the ground and had something in their hands and it was interesting they saw something else lying on the ground in front of them as a baby does and immediately dropped the toy that they had to pick up the one that they wanted and sometimes in our faith we hang on to things and try and get to something else But I believe God is saying, come on, you know what? You've got to drop some stuff to get what I'm doing. You've got to let go of some things in order to pick up some new things. And so I just pray for a particular couple of people who have been holding on to some stuff. Your heart is to step into something new. Your your heart is to grab hold of the new thing that God's doing, but you're not realizing, man, your hands are still tight around the old stuff. You've got to let go of some stuff. And I pray you'd give us the grace and the strength and the empowerment and the boldness and whatever else we need from you, helper, comforter, teacher, to let go, to let go, to let go, to let go of our old lives, to let go of some old things, some old ways of doing things, some old habits, some old addictions, some old behaviors, some old dysfunctions, some old relationships. God, let Go and allow you to put in us, to place in our hands the new thing that you are doing. I pray this in Jesus' name. I pray the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon us. God, that you would give us the wisdom. You would give us the insight, God, what to put down and what to pick up. I pray this in Jesus' name. And as we venture out in the days, in the weeks, in the months to come, as we go out of this place, May it be full of excitement and adventure. And may we have a great expectation of what you can do, I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen, everybody. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap of praise because he's worth it. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening. For more information about Aspire Church, find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram check out our website aspirechurch.org.nz We'd love to see you on Sundays 10am 101 Hardy Street